How to Survive Deathmatch Projects Part 2 Welcome to episode 40 Hey, what's up everybody? I'm your host, Georg Lohrer, and this is the Mastering Embedded Systems Podcast. You get know-how, tools, processes, and more surplus information in this podcast. Or in a nutshell, I give you my best for your success in embedded systems projects. Here we are with the second part of How to Survive Deathmatch Projects. For all the ones jumping directly on this episode, guys, it's of course possible to follow this episode without having heard the previous episodes. However, it should make much more sense to start with episode 37 and episode 39. I do not want to prevent you from listening, but I refer directly to this previous content. So if you are not aware of it, you might have some rough time in understanding and therefore I prefer for it I prefer to go back and jump back to episode 37 at least because this is a quite good introduction into the topic itself. So give it a try. Today I will jump into some details of people wear. This episode is shorter than the others. And that's not because there is nothing to tell or the topic is not that important. No, no, no. It's completely contrary. To maintain and present this topic in detail, I could start a second podcast. (laughs) And I would have materials for years. But first of all, I'm an engineer, I'm a project manager, but I'm not some kind of people who are a strainer. And therefore... I have not seen this kind of podcast yet, which tackles exactly this kind of topic. There are different ones. And in the end, in the outro, I will tell you some opportunities or I will give you some recommendations from my side, what you can listen for uh, and where you can listen to to further details about this topic of people wear. In this episode, I will instead highlight some essential points about working with people. Especially in deathmatch projects, your surrounding teammates might become the only persons you see for a long, very long time. So you might remember this kind of wording, uh, war rooms, for example. You stuff all the people inside one room and throw away the keys so the guys have to stay there and and work. And especially in deathmatch projects, it pretty much looks like that very often. And therefore, you should know who you are with and uh, who are the guys and how to make the best out of, you, of the, out of your situations. You guys might wonder, what's that? Why do we not have an interview episode today? Easy going. The topic of surviving deathmatch projects is that tight, that crisp. I do not want it to interrupt it artificially. And therefore, I want to continue this story until it has finished. And then I will continue back to the interview session period. As always, you find the show notes at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 40. Let's jump right in and find out. Stay tuned and be inspired. So first of all, it means, of course, that you have the right persons in the project. But what are right persons? But anyway, um, let's start with the very first thing. So let's assume hiring and staffing of, uh, um, of, of the best possible people on the project. There are four different strategies how to achieve valid and, let's say, the best people for your project. The first strategy is hire superstars and turn them loose. The second strategy is insist on well-honed, mission-impossible teams that has worked together before. Strategy number three is choose mere mortals but make sure we know we're getting in for. 
And strategy number four is take whoever you're given and convert them into a Mission Impossible team. Okay, you see there is already some kind of hierarchy or preferredness in this kind of a strategy list. And let's start with the very first one. So hire superstars and turn them loose. <laughs> of course, uh, this is tempting because the presumption is that the superstars will be enormously productive and also clever enough to invent novel solutions to the deathmatch requirements. So, but regularly, yeah, superstars are not waiting for you. We are not voting, working for deathmatch projects because they prefer to work for for companies like yeah, whatsoever. So it's, it's Google or Microsoft or uh, yeah, Apple. Yeah, or BMW, or yeah, no longer Volkswagen, but maybe someone else. Uh, and and big and marvelous companies you you might have in mind, but um, yeah, I think this is a a quite it's a it's a marvelous strategy to achieve the right persons, but very often rather impossible to realize. Let's have a look at strategy number two that you insist on well-honed Mission Impossible team that has worked together before. That's my preferred way to do it. However, it's a marvelous and tremendous effort to put a team which has been um, merged together, which has been honed together for surviving and for managing a deathmatch project that we will do it again. It's not like uh, the, dirty, the Dirty Dozen or something like that, which where these guys are on the street and you, you simply collect them and yeah, and then it's going on. And you also do not have this kind of um, yeah of environment and uh, and money in the background that you simply can uh, can buy them from the outside. Especially if the teams have survived some kind of kamikaze um, or ugly style project or even suicide project, uh, they might be no longer intact. Well, nobody wants to do that twice. So only Mission Impossible projects. And if you have the, if you are lucky and you have such kind of project team in the background, there when, when you use it, but very often you don't have it. So mainly. Regular people will be faced with strategy number three and four. And strategy number three is that you choose mere mortals, but make sure we know we're getting in for. So that's something like you have you you select the best persons available, the best persons which are available, and you can grip them or you 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 can um, you can select them and put them into your team. But you have to tell them the truth, what's going on, and what we are selecting for. And then there is a good chance if you if we have the belief in you and we have the belief in the project and we we see the challenge, but we want to have this kind of challenge. Then there is a good chance you will succeed. And this is for me. This is, uh, yeah, the very best situation if I can choose directly. Even if the pool is limited, even if I have a, a, a limited amount of persons available because we don't hire someone new. But I need to know. I need to talk with the guys. I need to know what's going on there and what we are effectively doing. And I also need to know some kind of palmares, so their their kind of 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 success stories, and then. I can select. That's the pretty much best one. So the two first strategies are more or less impossible to realize. The third one, that has a good chance to be realized, but you need to have already good standing or the pressure must be high enough that you simply can select the best persons out of the available resource pool. When strategy number four 
take whoever you're given and convert them into a Mission Impossible team. I think that's the very worst thing you have. There are regular guys who are suddenly confronted with the situation that their project changes into a deathmatch project and we don't have the standing maybe and we are not willing and we don't like it and we want to flee and this is something I think uh, is the worst kind, kind of strategy you might um, you might be faced with because you will not achieve such kind of happiness in such a project because the guys will be immediately in a bad mood and Therefore, also the success rate because of this kind of heterogeneous uh, knowledge um, level will cause that also you have a very low probability of success for that project. So you are, you are directly facing into the suicide project. And then, yeah, okay, it it is named exactly like that. So that means the risk increases substantially if a project manager can't choose his or her team members. It's absolutely crucial to avoid losing people during project. And yeah, that, that's, that's one other aspect that you, you should take into account always. There are two absolutely 100% ways how to ruin a project. That's either remove people who are valid and essential for the project. And the second one, bring new persons into the project if it gets really, if it gets really into trouble. Because these additional people will ruin the effort spent by all the other ones because they must be introduced and your performance will degradate to roughly 50 or even lower percentage. So what to do if you can't choose your own team? Yeah, again, quit, appeal to higher authority, determine your own constraints and redefine the project as kamikaze, suicide, etc. And make sure the entire project team knows it. You see the similarities. Let's have an example. Let's face a typical situation you might face as a project manager of a deathmatch project. Midst in your project, suddenly failures increase to a new all-time hate. What is one thing you feel would be most important advice to do at this point from a people-wear perspective? And what is the one thing you feel would be most important for to avoid doing at this point? Yeah, that's okay. It might be not obvious, but it's something like Do communicate the status to the key players. If you cannot do it for the whole team at once, then do it for the key players. The guys must be aware of what's really going on. The, the, the project is, if the project is allowed to continue, when triage merciless. That's, by the way, that's one of the processes I want to introduce in a different episode, the triage. But cut non-critical features, not key processes like testing. So you have you have to do things immediately together with the key players to maybe rescue the, the project at all. But again, you are confronted with the situation that you need to know the politician, the political situation that you need to negotiate whatever is needed to bring the project to its end. And never ever, never ever, guys, don't lie to your project team. We are not idiots. We are not morons. We may read Dilbert, yeah, by the way. <laughs> so from this perspective, I think the most essential points in people wear is loyalty, commitment, and accountability. So wh what I mean is you need to lead by example. You need to keep your promises. I, I, I can make several episodes only about the topics of loyalty, commitment, and especially accountability and responsibility. So that, that means also in people where you have to uh, you have to improve your communication. If you are not, not good in communication, then you have to improve. 
it's essential, especially in this kind of tight, um, tight scheduled projects, in this kind of uh, death march projects. It's so important, especially something like giving feedback. Sounds easy, but it might ruin your whole story if you are not able to give good feedback. And also, you must introduce feedback rules to the guys. You must, if you want to come closer with the guys, you must at one point you must be very cautious. You must be. You will be the leader. You will be the communication educator. You will be some kind of promoter. You will be everything for them. But then that's the only way that you get a good leader for this kind of project management situation. There are different approaches to achieve that. You need to know a lot of things, but you also need to experiment. You will make your failures, but that's regular, so you learn. And uh, you might need to know, know things about, for example, about communication patterns. You need to know about different cultures. And uh, you need to come into touch with the guys. And for me, very personally, about communication is always laugh and joke. Um, laugh and joke. So, so I, I mean, I... I regularly try to not make the fool out of myself, but sometimes it's happened and then you have to laugh about yourself. You must be able to do it and uh, and without any, any grief inside of you. And this is something which uh, I, have, I have not experienced many persons who can do that. Laugh about yourself, that you have made things wrong, that things have gone wrong, you have made. So, and even if you don't like it, but it might be some, some funny thing. And here it's also about um, that you have to have a good joke with the guys. Simple. And yeah, it's, it, it relieves the situation. It makes a good mood. And therefore, team building is something very essential here. So it's, it, even it sounds like building a bridge, yeah? there is nothing like building a, a, a team on this level of gathering. So there is only a group of individuals who start to cope with themselves in a different way than with outsiders. That's more or less some kind of a definition of team. It's, it's a different way how to be organized. It's a different way how to work with each other. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a different, different kind of level of intimacy, something like that. So this way of teaming distinguishes the result of outcome of the teamwork whether it's only average or whether it has become more than the sum of each individual work. So this is something essential for me. People wear means also build your team, let them come together, let them become better, promote them. So some aspects are, for example, accept the others in the difference, uh, challenge things, but also promote them to achieve these things, take them honestly and you might get guys you might get, get you might have studied tons of books got education in some areas of psychotherapy as i have done and finished one education uh, educations in in psychotherapy and you might have took took lots of courses but after all the years especially for me you might detect that there are only very basics remaining so something like be curious for the people how we react how we communicate Why be, do they behave like that? What's behind of that? Try to understand other sides of the world. So, I, I mean, why do they have the focus on things in a different way than me? That's something uh, you, you can evaluate very, very easily if you feel yourself, if you can put yourself in a stage of curios curiosity. If you are in a stage of anger, it will not be possible with me. <laughs> of course not. Huh? So, and therefore, you also have to create trust and belief not only in you, but also in the project, but mainly in you. So that, that means, in a nutshell, talented people, cohesive teams, and decent working conditions are not enough to guarantee the success in a DevMarsh project. Their absence, however, is an almost guarantee for the project's failure. 
For many of us, DevMarch projects are inviteable in today's crazy times. Interesting questions is whether your company acknowledges it or is it the regular way you work? Succeeding with DevMarch projects is obviously desirable, but surviving them is also important. That's, that's again the point to make your own constraints, your personal own constraints. And recognize that younger generation of software people may have different attitudes about this than older generation. I mean, well, I'm 35 years old, maybe not. So it's something like, I would say it's, uh, I'm more or less some kind of older generation in software development. And I might have different attitudes. I might have different perspectives, different sides. But what I always try, what I always do is I'm interested in why do the guys act like they act? What is it what they are interested in? Why do it, why do it the way they do it? And therefore, for me, it's curiosity. This was episode 40 and the second episode about how to survive DevMarch projects. In the next episode, we'll tackle the aspects of processes. If you want to get more familiar with such kind of peopleware issues and you're able to understand German, then I wanted to recommend you to the NLP Fresh Up podcast. Details you find in the show notes. The guys providing this podcast are sometimes, yeah, let's say, a little bit esoteric. However, in general, a different way of looking at things and at uh, communication patterns and the way how people interact with each other and they they explain the underlying mechanisms has become one of my weekly pieces to listen to. And there is also an English-spoken podcast about NLP, which I haven't heard yet by myself, but you could give nlppod.com a chance and tell us your impression. Uh, by the way, NLP, if you don't know it, it's neurolinguistic programming and it has nothing to do with software development. It's the way how Uh, human communication, human interaction works. And there are several uh, marvelous guys who have uh, evaluated. So it's uh, Richard Bendler and John Grinder. And we have, inter we have studied marvelous therapists, how we interact with their clients. And we have abstracted that whole stuff and make a mechanism out of that and see how things are working. That's more or less like some grammar of human interaction. So it's very interesting, very good to see, especially for my personal opinion, it's one of the best usages of psychotherapy for technicians because it's so close. <laughs> But anyway, you always have to remember that, that human beings are no technical objects in any way. We're no machine. So it's always a huge amount of uncertainty. It's always the human factor behind of it. But it gives a good way to understand how things might work. And very often we exactly work like that and we have marvelous results, especially as there are really great therapists behind of it, like for example Fritz Perls, uh, Virginia Satir, they are marvelous uh, uh, therapists in their particular areas and um, yeah, that's great things to study. The show notes, by the way, and the comments you find at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 40. And why do I mention the comments? Because I have mixed the order of my, of my, of my script here. Yeah. It's belonging to the DevMarch project. I would be really happy to get your feedback on your experience with such kind of projects. You could, for example, write your story into the comments. 
for this show or send me a direct feedback via embeddedsuccess.com slash feedback. This episode will be, as mentioned, continued for the remaining processes and tools topics to survive Deathmarch projects. This was the pensive 40th episode of the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. I'm Georg Lohrer. Thank you for listening.